Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But it's... what if the beholder is a machine? You're listening to linear digressions then, I guess. Yes, indeed. Um, so <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about looking pretty in pictures. So beautiful pictures Portraits. or beautiful people in pictures? Well, this is a very interesting point. Um, so the paper that inspired me for this, uh, this week's episode was a paper that came out of Yahoo Labs, um, and it's called The Beauty of Capturing Faces, Rating the Quality of Digital Portraits. And they're trying to do something very specific here. They're not trying to say whether the person in the picture is a good-looking person. Okay. They're trying to say whether the portrait itself is aesthetically pleasing, basically. Okay, so if I took uh, a picture and it was out of focus, that might not be a very good photo. Uh, but if I took a picture with a nice DSLR and a nice lens and good lighting, that might be a more pretty photo. It's the same person in both in both photographs. Right. But the photographs themselves are, are more pretty or less pretty. Right. So we don't want to be solving here for the, for the beauty of the person in the picture. We're trying to just say, is there something that we can identify uh, with using machine learning that helps um, say whether a, a portrait is aesthetically beautiful or not? So if maybe another way to say this is, let's suppose that I can't uh, change who the person in the picture is. I'm trying to take a portrait of you for the, uh, the Udacity website. Okay, sure. I am stuck with your beautiful face. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, there's nothing that I can really do to change it, but depending on the choices that I make in composition and focus and lighting and all these things, we can make it a better or worse photograph and that maybe machine learning can inform some of that. Hmm. Okay. So how? So what are the what are the factors that we would be optimizing for? Well, so this I think is actually the real strength of the paper. It's not writing an algorithm that says whether it's good looking or not. It's actually figuring out what are the features that we want to feed into this algorithm, hmm. and that's where the bulk of the work is here. So the first group of features that they write are what they call compositional rules, and these are some of the things that you learn if you were to read a book on photographic portraiture or something like that. Mm, like where to put the horizon in a photograph or how to frame the person in the photograph. You don't necessarily want them dead center. They could be a little off to the side. So it has uh, compositional effects. Um, how do you how do you allocate color across the picture? Um, mm. How do you light the picture? Is it How do you use the depth of, of field of the picture? Like are things in focus or out of focus? Those sorts of things. Or what's the difference between the subject and the background? So that would be depth of field. Yeah. If, nice blurry background, nice in focus subject. Exactly. The second set of features that they make has to do with what they call semantics and scene content. And so this might actually blur into a little bit with some of the compositional features. But this is what's actually in front of the camera. So if I take a picture of you in front of a tree versus you in front of a building, does that mm. affect the aesthetics of the picture, even if all the other sort of aspects, the, the color ratios and the focus and all of this stuff is still the same, but just what's in front of the camera is a little bit different. The next group of features is the basic quality metrics. And these are things that you can apply sort of objectively to pictures. This is things like, is was the, the lens that you took this picture with, did it introduce a lot of noise mm. into the, yeah. the image? Or another way to introduce noise is to shoot a photo in low light rather than putting a lot of light. The less light there is, the more grain you get in the photo and the lower quality the photo looks. Right. A related feature to that is the contrast, the quality of the contrast in the picture. Mm. Do the colors pop against each other when they should. Or is it kind of muddy and gray? Right. Another thing that I think is interesting uh, that falls into this category is 
uh, if it gets compressed as part of the JPEG algorithm, that can actually lead to mm-hmm. graininess. Yeah, actually, so so my job as a front-end web developer a lot of times is optimizing images. And so I need to take an image and compress it down to different varying degrees until I get to that, that fine line where, no, that looks a little bit yucky, but this looks okay enough, right? Because the more you compress it, the smaller the photograph is, but the more yucky it looks. Yep, so that was something that they had took into account. The last one in this little block that I also think is really cool is image manipulation. So if you used Photoshop, does that <laughs> count against you aesthetically? But let's move on with the features just a little bit more. So there, there's also a block of uh, features that have to do, there's also a block of features that are specific to portraits. So these are things where they've uh, specifically looked at the contrast between say a face and the background mm-hmm. um, or the position of the face within the picture. These are things that are specific to portraits, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the last is what they call fuzzy properties. And these are, like they sound like, a little bit fuzzy. Things like, is there... <laughs> fuzzy properties are fuzzy. Yes. Um, is there emotion in the picture? Um, oh, I see what is you it, mean by fuzzy. Is it a very original picture, like a unique picture that's different from one you've ever seen before? These would be the things that are really hard for a computer, an algorithm to pull out of a photo. Yeah. And Whereas it, like if it's in focus, that's relatively trivial to look at. You just look at a couple pixels and see if they're if they're different or enough or not. Yeah, and so these they actually had sort of hand coded in. I think they came with the data set or they had some some okay. supplementary coding that people actually just looked at them to assign these features. So okay, you put all of these into a, a machine learning algorithm. Um, and the one that they use actually has sort of built into it the ability to figure out which features are the most powerful for mm. figuring out whether this is going to be an aesthetically pleasing portrait or not. So you can get out of it the rank of the most important features, the ones that influence the most whether it's an aesthetically pleasing portrait or not. And so you can sort of reverse engineer what made the good looking portraits good looking. So is this an algorithm where they took a bunch of uh, a bunch of portraits, and they had a big data set of different portraits that had rankings of beauty and and ugliness or whatever that humans assigned, and then they used that to train the machine learning algorithm? Yeah, that's right. Got it. And so what you're saying is the algorithm was able to discern whether how in focus it was was more or less important than say some other feature like contrast or the position of the eyes or something like that. Yeah, so it treats each of the features as independent of the others. And it just says, as I vary this um, up and down sort of across all the different examples, how does the assigned aesthetic, the thing, the label that a human has applied for this is a beautiful picture or not, how does that change in response to this particular feature? So to give you an example of some of the ones that have a lot of influence, there are two that stand out right at the top of the list. The sharpness, or I think basically the focus of the left eye and the right eye. So if the eyes ah, aren't in focus, not a good portrait. I see. Which makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have guessed that. Another thing that's very powerful is the uniqueness of the picture, actually. If it's a picture that looks unique, that is different from anything else in the, in the database, then that's something that's mm. very compelling to us as well. Humans like novelty. Yeah. So if you see a bunch of photos all in a row, you're going you're, you're to gravitate towards the one that's more unique or uh, interesting or different. That's right. 
so you can carry on like this with all of the features. Um, and there's some a couple of interesting things that arise. I think the eye sharpness makes a lot of sense, but yeah. there are some other ones that uh, surprise me a little bit, but then when you think about them, they make more sense. If there's a lot of magenta, green, red, purple, colors that don't really occur uh, on your face, mm. those are correlated with it not being a particularly well-scored picture. So people like photos where there's a lot of like skin color basically mm -hmm. they don't like it if there's like purple in the background it's kind of jarring for your eye i guess what about photos of the blue man group because i mean the blue man group's skin tone is blue that's a good question ben <laughs> i don't think they were part know. of the, they probably weren't part of the training data so you want to know something interesting though yes if you are smiling in a picture do you think that's good for the aesthetics or bad for the aesthetics uh, well okay now i'm now I'm second-guessing myself because yeah. you're asking me the question. <laughs> I would say good. And actually, upon a little bit of reflection, I don't know why smiling would be bad. I once heard... So, <laughs> you were right. The reason that I ask you is because this one is counterintuitive. It's negatively correlated with the aesthetics of the picture. Uh -huh. So that's saying that, on average, it does worse if you're smiling. Oh, no. So, here's my hypothesis, actually, because I was trying to figure this out over the weekend. I might be totally off base, but I once heard from some kind of, I read some very famous photographer or something said that if you have a, a pretty woman as like a model, right, you make, you ask her to smile. If you have a beautiful woman, you ask her to frown. And if you think about the pictures that are like the most striking, like model portraits, like the haute couture kind of portraits, they're mm -hmm. usually not smiling. And so I'm wondering if maybe what's going on here is they have a subset of images within the database that are these sort of model pictures that are very, very striking. They're very artistically done, but people happen not to be smiling in them. And I wonder um, if that's throwing it off. That's my best That's my best guess. So maybe they didn't control for that and this is an anomaly, or maybe this is just something that we don't necessarily have an explanation for right now. Yeah, maybe we just, they just discovered something very interesting and, and counterintuitive. Well, I don't know. I, I would hope that smiling is uh, I'm going to keep smiling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it too. So, to conclude, what makes a good portrait? Um, if you Photoshop it, it doesn't really have an effect. The gender, the physical beauty, the age of the person that you're taking a picture in of doesn't correlate with this metric. You can take a beautiful picture of an ugly old person, and you can take an ugly picture of a beautiful model. And I think the, the note that I want to end on on this topic is that they say in the paper that any subject, no matter his or her traits, can be part of a stunning picture if the photographer is able to grasp the subject's essence. So if you can take a, per a picture that really seems to capture the person, yeah. that's a good portrait. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.